And Brother Aaron mentioned the song I cannot sing. He hears the song I cannot sing. And it made me think about this psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my going. And he put a new song in my mouth, new song in my mouth, in my heart, even praise unto our God. And many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. People can see it, can't they? People can hear it. That's good. All right. That was a little devotion <laughs> that wasn't part of the message tonight. Good to welcome everyone to the worship service and good to welcome uh, any who may be tuned in by social media tonight. And I'll turn, thank you, son. He come down here and went to all the trouble putting new batteries in my mic and then I just failed to turn it on. He wasn't going to let me get by with that. Uh, but um, we're going to look once again in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10. And uh, of course I've been uh, bringing messages I think forever. I, I don't know how long, but the Lord just laid it on my heart about uh, sowing to the Spirit and reaping uh, the reward or the harvest. And uh, I felt impressed to bring messages on the positive side of we reap what we sow. We know that. We understand that. We see it in our culture and in our society. and We know that from our experience in life. That God is not mocked. That whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And... Uh, I've avoided in this little series on Sunday night the negative side of that, which is sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption. And I have focused on the positive side of that, sowing to the Spirit, sowing to the Spirit. And to me, that simply means doing those things or involving ourselves in those things that are Spirit-led, that are part of our walk as God's children, and uh, sowing in that, and reaping the harvest that comes from it. And of course, on this last part of that, it's been prayer, praying. Praying is sowing to the Spirit, without any question whatsoever. And what I've done is use this verse of Scripture in verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, and then especially unto the household of the faith. And using prayer as, as that, doing good. And I don't think that we can do uh, any better for anyone other than praying for them. As we're moved of the Holy Spirit to do so. And so for uh, quite some time I had uh, shared with you thoughts related to praying for the unconverted, for all men, for all men. And we went through several uh, passages of Scripture that talked about that. I even used the thought of how to pray for the unconverted, unsaved people, how to pray for them. And of course, 
my concluding thoughts on that was if the Lord lays somebody on your heart and it's the Spirit doing that, then we need to pray for them and witness to them and encourage them. And of course, all of us have experienced that in life, have an opportunity to talk to unsaved people and witnessing to unsaved people and praying for them when we recognize that the Holy Spirit is working in their life. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is not, and it can be obvious to us, and so they don't want nothing to do with what we have to share with them, so we just don't share it. We don't cast our pearls before the swine. We just move on, and, and you can't do anything with anyone when the Holy Spirit's not working in their life. You can just forget that. And I know all of us have had experiences like that too. So now we've come down to the part about where he says, especially them that are of the household of the faith. And when the Bible tells us especially, then we need to take note of that, that this is a priority. This is something that the Lord has said that we should do. And of course, uh, I've had some good experience in life in doing good to those who are of the household of the faith. And that can be in a lot of ways. You can just be nice to people. You can be nice to people. And I think we ought to absolutely be nice to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I mean especially nice to them. And it is a sowing that can reap a good result and a good harvest. And uh, I've shared with you all how that uh, you know, I, I, I believe I'm a wealthy person, not necessarily in uh, worldly goods or whatever, but I, there are some things that money can't buy. And my relationship that I've had with, with my brothers and sisters in Christ for many, many years has been such a rewarding thing. Such a rewarding thing. And I always appreciate, and I tell you that all the time, I appreciate you being good to me and being nice to me, not being... Uh, treating me bad or go <laughs> and I've had that to happen in the ministry and I've had people to to go around behind my back and do bad things and not uh, treat me good or whatever and that's okay you know I still love them and uh, and everything and I don't hold a grudge or anything and and you know the Bible tells us even if you've got enemies you ought to pray for them ought to pray for even your enemies and uh, anyway I think I preached a message on that too. So tonight I'm going to pick that back up again about doing good, about praying for especially them that are of the household of the faith. And I, I, last uh, Sunday night I, uh, it, uh, I, I spent some time tr uh, trying to, uh, by the word of God, identify uh, who they are, and one of the places that I read was in Second Peter chapter uh, one and verse one. Simon Peter it says, a servant of the apostle Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us. Now that pretty well uh, describes who they are, them of like precious faith. And then also I read in First John in chapter one and verse three. Uh, John says this, that's which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And last Sunday night I spent some time on that word fellowship and what that means. Uh, the Greek word being koinonia 
And it means that which we share in common. So from these two passages of Scripture, we begin the process of identifying who the household of the faith is. And so I want to pick that back up, and if we get far enough, I'm going to share with you some things, ways that we can pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now here's something that I discovered, that the Scriptures picture the local church as being the household of the faith, describes it in that way. And so I wanted to share with you some passages of Scripture along that line and our responsibility and duty to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially those who are members of the church that we're members of. That's definitely sharing that which we have in, in common. In 1 Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy and chapter number uh, 3, I believe it is, 1 Timothy and chapter number 3, it might be chapter, no, it's chapter number 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and in, uh, no, I'm in 2 Timothy, no wonder that didn't look familiar, in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, and in the uh, 15th uh, verse, uh, here's what it says. Paul is saying to Timothy, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And he uses the word house there, and the pillar and ground of the truth, talking about, talking about the local church. Now, something that I found interesting, and uh, I have... Uh, in, in my study, I have access to all of these versions of the Bible. All, I, I have them all. I don't necessarily encourage, I don't encourage anybody to have it and use it. What I use is the King James Version, and I may look at other uh, versions of that to see what they say. And one of the ones that I use a lot is the Amplified Bible. And it is one of those versions of the Bible that amplifies things that are stated in the verse. And it'll actually give other scripture references and things like that. And sometimes it's really interesting to read a verse in the Amplified Bible after I've once read it in the King James. And I noticed this afternoon when I read this passage of scripture that it, uh, it, it translated house as household, as household. Well, I got to looking that up, and I discovered that that Greek word that is uh, rendered house is used several times in the King James Version. It is translated household, household. And so this is what the Amplified Bible said related to this verse. It says, if I am detained, you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, in the household. Of God, which is the church of the living God. And then in that 17th verse, in the fourth chapter, in the 17th verse, and fourth chapter doesn't have seven, oh, that's First Peter. In First Peter, I'm sorry. And uh, it's chapter number four, First Peter chapter number four, and the 17th verse. And uh, I, I was reading that one, and it says in the 17th verse, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be them that obey not the gospel of God? 
And I looked in there at that one. And here's what it says in the Amplified Bible. For the time has arrived for judgment to begin with the household of God. And so they had, uh, they had rendered that house, they had rendered it the household of God. And I noticed in the King James Version, when, the ha- when household is used, it is uh, according to the context in which it, is, which it is used in that way. So that's an interesting thing that is stated there. So the, I, want you to, I want you to see in this that the Scriptures paints a picture of the local church as a household of God. I'll give you a couple other passages of Scripture along that line. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter number 3, in Hebrews chapter 3, there's a verse there that's interesting. In chapter 3 of Hebrews and verse number 6, and here's what it says, talking about Christ. It says, but Christ as the Son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, that's an interesting verse, and that's not saying, as some may uh, uh, interpret it as, that this is what's required if you want to get to heaven, is you've got a, got a hope. It's describing how the genuine Christian is. And I'll read that verse again. But Christ as son over his own house, and that's the part I want you to see, talking about the household of God, whose house we are. And then he goes on to say, if we hold fast confidence and rejoicing and hope firm unto the end, that's a description of who we are. Because we believe in the, we believe in the uh, perseverance and preservation of every true saint. We believe that if you're saved, you persevere. That's just a mark that of you, you persevere. And that's all that verse is saying. But what I wanted to point out about that verse is that he calls... Uh, he, he calls the church Christ's own house, whose house we are. And so we're part of that. Another one is in 1 Peter and chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse number 5. Here's what it says. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'll read 4 and 5. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed in need of men, and chosen of God and precious. Now that's talking about Christ, of course. But then verse 5 says this. You also as lively, and that's living, you also as lively living stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, as living stones, we make up the house, is what that uh, verse is saying there. And then in chapter 4 of that book, and in verse number 17, it says this, uh, and I've already read that, that for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, at the house of God. So, uh, the Bible pictures the local church as the household of the faith. And so that's what we are. We are a part of that. And we have a special duty as that. I see that uh, in my own personal experience. And in that book of 1 Peter, in chapter number 1, and there's a couple of verses that are interesting related to that. 
we have a responsibility to each other. We have a duty to each other. And here's what it says in verse 22 and 23. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Now that's an interesting verse and it's one I may use again next Sunday morning where that verse of scripture in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 where it says not only did Jesus give himself for us but he also gave himself to purify unto himself. And so, uh, you know, in, in, in the Bible is using that word here in verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love. That word unfeigned means unfake. That's all that means. It means that it's not pretended, it's real. Unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. What a challenge that is. And we understand what it means to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We understand that. We, we recognize the work of God's grace in our hearts to make us love each other. And, and if you really are saved tonight, you can't help it because it's been shed abroad in your heart. And the Bible is saying there, related to that, that we have a challenge not only to love one another, but to love each other fervently, fervently. And so we ought to seek, seek uh, to, uh, to uh, uh, take that and, and, and add to it and work on it and everything to love one another even more. And he goes on in verse 23, being born again, not of corrupt seed, and born again, that's, what, that's important, but incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So in that verse, we recognize that this love that we have, uh, 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 it is the motivation to pray for each other. The motivation to pray for each other. You know, if, if you don't pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you just don't do it, don't do it at all, then there's got to be uh, a question raised about your love, about your caring for them. And, and you know, I just, I've said this oftentimes, I feel blessed to be the pastor of a church where there's a lot of love. It is a lot of love. And a praying church. We're a praying group of people. And you know, every time that uh, I get ready to start a worship service, and you know what? I just thought, I failed to do it tonight, and I really did. You know I don't never do that, but I did tonight, and I got all caught up in Aaron's remark about this song that we cannot sing, that Jesus listening can hear, and I will before we leave this place. Now, I promise I will, and I'll call out those names that we need to pray for. And I do that at the beginning of every service. If I, if I thought the church didn't care, and I thought the church wasn't praying for people, I wouldn't waste my time doing that. I wouldn't keep a list of people who need prayer. We wouldn't have this big, long prayer list that comes from our Wednesday night prayer meeting services that I carry in my pocket all the time. I do. I I've got it right here in my pocket. I have two billfolds. One is my billfold that's got all that money that I've got. It makes me walk sideways. I've got so much. I tell Sue all that. She, we'll get ready to go somewhere. And a lot of times, <clears throat> I, I don't, I'll tell you this little story. Brent ain't here, so I won't get uh, accused of chasing a rabbit, but I'll chase one. At home, 
if, especially in the summertime, I, I, I sweat something awful. I mean, I'll, my clothes will be soaking wet and my socks and my shoes, I just sweat like crazy. My grandpa did that and I inherited it from him, I'm sure. So I don't, wor- I don't care my billfold because, I mean, I just would wet, my billfold would be soaking wet if I did and so uh, a lot of times at home I don't have it in my pocket. We'll get ready to go somewhere and Sue will say, you got your billfold? And I say, I've got my billfold, honey, and it's so full I walk crooked. I say that to her all the time. But I've got two billfolds. And the other billfold has some things in it. And one of the things that's in it is my prayer list. It's always there. I've always got it. I got it here tonight. And, of course, I've told you that little story Sue said, y'all can tell them stories over that you tell all the time, you know, but I just can't hardly help myself. I've got a dollar bill in there, and that dollar bill's been in there for years and years. And uh, if I ever, somebody holds me up and got a pistol on me and asks for my billfold, I'll pull it right out and give it to them. And it's got one dollar in it and my prayer list. You wait till they get home and see what they've gotten from me. One dollar, and I, I, I remember when I told you that, uh, you know, I better not get held up and somebody say, now give me the other one because I know some of you've told it. <laughs> you've told it. But I carry that prayer list all the time. I'm not boasting. I really do care. I've got it with me all the time. And um, it's important. And we should, we should realize our duty. If we love each other, we're going to want the best for each other, right? We're going to... We're going to want them to be successful and we want to, we want to pray for, for them. And those are brothers and sisters that are so sincere and such an inspiration to us. Man, we ought to pray for them and pray for them all the time. I've got a couple of, there's a couple of people that are a part of our church. And uh, this is something for years that they've done. They'll send me a text or they'll tell me, Brother Thomas, I pray for you every day. I pray for you every day. You don't know what that means to me. I need that. The devil would kill me if y'all didn't pray for me. He don't like me, I tell you. And, uh, but there's a couple that do that every day. One of them sends me probably a text two or three days a week to say, I've prayed for you this morning. And sometimes they'll say, this is what I'm, I'm praying for. And uh, I thought it was... I thought it was really neat. Um, I, I'll tell this, you know, when when uh, Brother Tommy passed away, I had the blessing and opportunity to spend several hours with uh, with Steve and Tamra, you know, just the two of them, just the two of them, and uh, it was such a blessing and everything. And this person that sends me those texts. They learned about that, and they sent me a text. I'm praying for you, preacher, the Lord to keep you healthy. We need you. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty neat. Well, that's one thing you can pray for me. Lord, keep him healthy. Keep him upright and walking and, uh, and that kind of thing. So this is an important thing. If we love each other, it's just automatic. They, we don't have to think about it. When we think of each other and different ones, and we, we will pray, God bless this person, help that person, lead them and guide them, give them strength, give them special grace or what, whatever, and we, we think about them. You know, 
You know, interesting related to praying for each other, the Bible says pray without ceasing. That don't mean that, that you're just always praying. You can have a prayer on your mind. You can think of different ones and you can, uh, in, in your thinking of them. And now I want to I point this, this out. I think it's an important uh, point to make. Failure here uh, can be uh, worse than we think. It can be worse than we think. There's a passage. It's in 1 Samuel. If you want to turn back there, it's in the first book of 1 Samuel, and it's in chapter number, uh, chapter number 12. In 1 Samuel and chapter number 12. And th- this is interesting. Now, I'm sure that most of you know something that happened during this period of time. And um, in the... Back in the 8th chapter of 1 Samuel, uh, in the 8th chapter and verse number 6, here's what it, what it tells us in chapter 8 and verse number 6. And here's what it says. But the thing displeased Samuel. Now Samuel was a judge. He was one of the judges. And Israel didn't have a king at this particular point. They didn't have a king. And they wanted one. And Samuel was getting old. And Samuel had called on his sons to help him. And the Bible says that in verse number 1. It says, and it came to pass when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the people didn't like that. And they wanted to have a king. Verse 6, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And you can read that story. When it gets over to chapter number 12, and um, I, they, you know, there was the danger of them uh, backsliding in their walk with God. And idolatry was a serious problem in the Old Testament period. It doesn't, it doesn't take very much reading in the Old Testament to realize that. And it says this in the 18th verse of that 12th chapter. It says, So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Now what happened was, this was during the harvest. And it wasn't supposed to thunder and rain during the harvest. But Samuel had warned them. He had warned them about their rebellion and failure to follow he says in the 14th verse for example for you will fear if you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God now we know that 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 was a problem and it didn't happen in that way. So Samuel's saying that in the 18th verse that it thundered and rained during the harvest and it scared the people because it was unusual. And then in the 19th verse, and all the people said unto Samuel, pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not for we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask to ask a king. So they, they were rejecting God's appointed judge, Samuel. They were rejecting him and his judging Israel 
uh, wanting a king. And they recognize something, that they've sinned against God. They've sinned in demanding that. And I'll read on, verse 20. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And now, you know, even though you've made a mistake, you be sure you do this. You be sure you do this. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Oh, that's an awesome verse there. Now here's the verse I wanted, wanted to point out. In verse 23, Moreover, as for me, Samuel's talking about himself. Now listen to this. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So is not praying, can it be a sin? Well, according to that, according to what Samuel said, it can be. It can be a sin for not for ceasing to pray, but I will teach you uh, the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. But if you shall still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. Now those were powerful words. In that, in that Samuel is saying, God forbid that I sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And so, Christian, it can be a sin not to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It, I really believe that with all my heart. And so, it, it can be a, the failure to do so is serious. Now, I, I want to say this about priority in our, in our praying. Priority. Now, I, I'll share with you my own personal thoughts and my own personal experience. I've always felt like that it was my, my duty to pray for my family. Now I'm talking about my immediate family. I'm talking about my little wife. I'm talking about my boys. I'm talking about my grandchildren. And, and I've always just felt like that that was a, a special uh, opportunity that the Lord had given me. And you all know that I believe, men, that you are supposed to be the leaders in your home. You're supposed to set the example. You're supposed to be the head of your home. Now, none of our ladies are going to be offended by me saying that, but that is actually what the Bible says. And I've always taken that seriously. I've taken it seriously. And I felt like that priority in praying for me was... My, fam my immediate family, my blood family first. And I, I have always done that. Uh, I've got two boys. They're both here tonight somewhere. Greg's hiding up there and Tim's watching over the safety, but he's listening to the sermon. But I tell you what, I've always prayed for those boys. I've always done. I still do. I do. They're, they're grown men and they're responsible for their own self and their own life, but I do. I pray for them. I think about them driving all that way to Georgetown every single day. Both of them, both of them make that trip over there and back every single day. 
they both work on the same shift, but they do different things, and they don't start to work at the same time, and they don't get off at the same time. I wish they did. I mean, I just that bothers me that they can't ride together, but Greg's in maintenance, and Tim's in assembly, and they've got different times and schedules and things like that. But you, they just don't know how many times I've asked, Lord, watch over them. Watch over them and keep them safe. You know, I mean, and I understand for years and years, I made that trip back and forth to Lexington. My brother Randall worked at Square D2 for about 40 years. He made that trip every day. Every day back and forth. And you think about that. For him to do that safely and for anybody to do it without uh, great harm or whatever, uh, the Lord has to watch over people. And I believe that. And I, I believe in intercessory prayer. I believe in coming to the Lord on behalf of someone that you care about and you love. And, and I believe it's a special response. What a wonderful opportunity that we have to pray for our immediate family. And that's always been something that I've believed, that I had that responsibility first. But I also believe that I have another responsibility, and that is the church that I'm a part of. I really believe that with all my heart. That I have a duty, and a, and a duty that I take gladly and rejoice in it, to be able to pray and intercede for people in, in our church family. I, I take that seriously. And, uh, you know, when you come to me and say, Brother Thomas, will you pray for me? Or will you pray for our family? Will you pray this or that or the other? You can be assured that I, with joy, I pray for you. I pray for God's will that He be glorified in answering prayers for you. So, I pray for my church family. And I pray for acquaintances too. And especially those and on our Wednesday night prayer list, we'll have abundance of names. We have people on there that I don't know personally. I feel like I do because folks in our church have shared their needs and what's going on in their life and everything like that. Especially if someone has requested prayer. How many times somebody will say, I want the church, I want Emmanuel Church to pray for me. I, I got... I got a text last week, and this person was in another state. I think they was in Indiana, maybe. I'm not really sure. But they had sent word. This, this lady was going to have surgery. She had cancer. And she was going to have surgery. And she really desired that the Lord would bless that surgery and that cancer could be removed. And she had sent Word. Not only did she send word, but she also sent a very long text to be passed on uh, to me uh, about her condition and everything. She wanted our church to pray for her. That's serious. That's serious. You say, well, preacher, did you call her name? I sure did. I called her name out for prayer. And you know, I'll tell you, anytime I call a name out for prayer, you better take it serious because it's come from Somebody that really desires the prayers of our church. And so many times I've been thanked. Somebody will send a thank. Read a card this, this morning. Wasn't that touching? Sister Tamara passing on to us about her mom 
and all that she went through and how much we loved her and prayed for her, lifted her before the Lord. And I thought it was neat, the things she mentioned. She said, thank you all for the prayers, the visits, the calls, the messages, the cards, the flowers, the gift, gifts, the food. She goes through that big long list. How many of you believe that that was really, had touched her? Sure it did. Sure it did. This is a serious matter that we pray for the household of the faith. It's serious. And we should take it seriously. And we should be careful not to take it lightly. And be too busy in life. To have our minds so full of stuff as I read one of the scriptures, vain things that cannot profit. Not profit spiritually. And you know what? That's a, that can be a great problem for God's people. We can get our minds on things that's going on that have no eternal value to them at all. None. And it's not that we shouldn't rejoice with people and be glad for things that are going on and stuff like that. We should. We should. And we encourage our young people. We've had a bunch of our young people involved in band and we've encouraged them. And boy, have they ever done well. My goodness, they ended up in the national championship. I mean, I thought that was awesome. They, they, it was just absolutely awesome. They come in maybe second place or something like that in the, in the region and then, uh, in, ended up uh, competing in the national. And boy, if you've ever heard them, I never will forget the first time I, I, I went to hear them. I, I went, it was at the middle school. And I, you know, I expected, you know, a lot of out of tune stuff, you know, and stuff that would make a dog howl. <laughs> Man alive, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You would think it was in Carnegie Hall somewhere. It was something else. And, and you know, we've had some of our young people to play special uh, church music specials and everything. And boy, I've been after them something else. And uh, to do it, they're going to be doing it again real soon. And I've been after them uh, to do that. And uh, they will be. And I think maybe even in the Christmas program. But, you know, and the point I'm making is, is there any eternal value in that? Well, I think there probably is. I really do. We encourage our young people to be involved in something rather than being out here running around and, and worrying their parents to death. You know, there's benefit to that. There's benefit to that kind of thing. And uh, so we ought to make it a priority to pray for them. Now, I don't think that I'm going to have time to make a point a point that I think is important. Well, I'll start it because I've got about five minutes. You all keep me to a tight schedule and, and everything. And I know if I don't let you out, if I get carried away and preach as long as I want to. You know, I told you this morning I could preach for another two or three hours. And I could on being thankful, on giving thanks. I'm telling you that is important. It is so important. But how do I pray for my church? Well, I want to tell you all that it's interesting. If you want to know how to pray for your church, we have uh, several examples that are given in the Bible. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. 
in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to start reading in verse 14. Now you say, preacher, what is this you're fixing to share? I'm going to give you one of the examples in the New Testament. Tell me how to pray for my church. Well, how about we pray like the Apostle Paul did for the church at Ephesus? Would that be good? Well, sure it would be. It would be so good. And here's what it says, beginning in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's he about to pray for? He's about to pray for the church at Ephesus. And here's what he says. Of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. That's the family of God. You know there's a distinction given in the New Testament between the family of God, the kingdom of God, and the church of God. Now here it is. Look in verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Okay. You want to know how to pray for your church? Well, this is one of the places where you can go to the Bible and you can think about what Paul is praying for. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church. I think I might have mentioned this this morning. I make it a practice in praying for people, for situations. And I forget where the verse is. It's in the book of John. And Jesus said something like this, that what you ask for in my name, I'll grant it that the Father may be glorified. I do that all the time. If I pray for somebody in a certain way, I might, I might just say it exactly that way in my prayer. Lord, I pray that you would meet the needs of this person or this family that you might receive honor and glory in what you do in this situation. We should always seek the glory of God. And he said that in verse 21. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's one of the examples of how to pray for the church. And in this book of Ephesians, boy, I tell you what, this will just blow your mind. Paul, Paul says this in the first chapter. In 16 he says, He ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. What was he praying for? Listen to this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
Not just for the church. But my, what if you started praying that for your brother or your sister in Christ? What if I was to take off praying for one of my brothers or sisters and I started praying that? That the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of His glory and the inheritance of the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead. Set Him on His own right hand in heavenly places. Think about that, friend. There's no reason why we should not know how to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ or know how to pray for the church. So, that's a good example. And we find it right in our Bible. And I'm going to tell you just exactly what I think about that. I think if I want to pray for Emmanuel Baptist Church, that I could not do any better than to copy Paul's prayer right down the line and pray for all those things. And there's more. And I'll share them with you next Sunday night related to that. So, let's bow together. Father, we praise You and thank You for these thoughts. We thank You for the wonderful privilege and opportunity that we have the duty that you've given us in praying for each other. What a powerful thing it is. Lord, I thank you that our church for years has been serious about this matter. And we've seen wonderful things come from it. Folks may say, well, you prayed for a certain person and they didn't, they didn't get healed. Well, they went to be with you. And Paul said, which is far better to go be with Jesus. And so, You are so good to us. And thank You. Father, as we close this service tonight, as we sing this closing hymn, if You've spoken to someone's heart and there's commitment that needs to be made, or maybe somebody just needs to come and say, I want You to pray for me and I'm going back to my pew. That happens a lot. And that's something that's important. We should obey the moving of the Spirit in our life. So bless us as we close. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand together with me as Aaron leads us in a closing number.